Hey, everybody. It's the Charlie Kirk Show Legal Update brought to you by Alina Haba, Donald Trump's lawyer. Uh, we talk about what is happening with the new Kulaks, an update live from East Palestine, Ohio. Dan Bishop, who is running for attorney general in North Carolina, also a member of Congress, joins us and so much more, including our reaction to Alexei Navalny being killed, looks like. Email us as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Subscribe to our podcast and get involved with Turning Point USA at tpusa.com. That is tpusa.com. Start a high school or college chapter today at tpusa.com. That is tpusa.com. Become a member. That's right. Support our program and listen to all of our episodes advertiser-free at members.charliekirk.com. That is members.charliekirk.com. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Noble Gold Investments is the official gold sponsor of The Charlie Kirk Show a company that specializes in gold IRAs and physical delivery of precious metals. Learn how you could protect your wealth with Noble Gold Investments at noblegoldinvestments.com. That is noblegoldinvestments.com. It's where I buy all of my gold. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. This civil trial is just outrageous and it's ongoing. Joining us now is Alina Haba who's doing a great job of representing and defending President Trump. Alina, thank you for joining the program. What can we expect today and and what is the latest? It's hard to keep all of this straight, all these different lawfare scenarios. Yeah, lawfare is right. Um, What can we expect? An utter disaster, I think, as we have thought would happen. We have a judge that is absolutely in the pocket of the AG, Letitia James, coordinating lockstep. Um, we're going to deal with it. Obviously, remember, there are appellate divisions for a reason. We have reversed this judge before. We'll do it again. Um, but the truth of the matter is that, you know, this is a person, as you know, Charlie, as we've discussed, you and I, that have ran on getting Trump. She came out, said she was going to go in the Trump organization every day, uh, see what's going on in their business, come out and sue him. And that's what she did. She made good on a campaign promise. And She's making sure she gets uh, reelected. It's it's really unfortunate, but it's the state of our country against the leading candidate for the GOP. Yeah. And so here's what's important. Can you just talk about how long this has been ongoing, Alina? I mean, I was I made a joke yeah. that I felt as if, you know, it was 110 degrees out in Phoenix when this thing started. I wasn't I wasn't kidding. This has been going on a year and a half and he made a decision and then he no had longer whole- than that. OK, so tell us about it. Longer than that. Yeah, I've been involved in this for uh, the better of three years. This has been a special proceeding when it wasn't as high profile, where she investigated for multiple years, wasted taxpayer dollars, did an investigation trying to find some little initial, some little bit of evidence that she could bring a case she couldn't. So then she brought hundreds of pages of a complaint, in this case under a 6312 action, which is a, a consumer fraud action. Long story short, Charlie, it's been years and years and years. It was a special proceeding. Then it was a civil complaint. And once the complaint got filed, the judge gave us six months. Uh, They had three years, you know, barely any discovery. We were limited to the amount of witnesses we could could, um, interview. 
you know, it, it's it's absolutely outrageous, but we're seeing it time and time again. They have as much time as they want to investigate. And then in an election year, they hit you with a, with a complaint. It's no different than what happened in Georgia. It's no different than Stormy Daniels coming in hot six years later. It's no different than what we've seen in absolutely every case. Uh, the boxes, everything. It's perfectly timed to t- keep him off the campaign trail. So yeah, this has been going on for a very long time. Very long time. Yeah. And so it's just, and then we have all this E. Jean Carroll stuff. And it is it is such a terrible and destructive precedent. Now, can you walk through what the appeal process here? And I, I, I know, Alina, you have to be careful, but I imagine this afternoon we could end up seeing a couple hundred million dollar judgment against Trump. What does the appeal process look like? Yeah, um, well, first of all, there's many motions that we're going to file on both cases. A hundred percent, we will be appealing. We know that, uh, unfortunately, and I mean, let's just take a step back, Charlie. Think about the fact that you and I know a decision's coming out today at two o'clock. Yes. What is that? I mean, that's a leak from Chambers, and that's disturbing to me beyond. So I'm uh, utterly concerned and and worried about our country, frankly, more importantly. You know, the Trump family is strong and resilient. They have a great company. They've done nothing wrong. We'll get through this. We'll We'll file an appeal within 30 days. We'll do our notice. We'll do it on both. Um, but more importantly, I always say they could do this to them. They have the means, they have me going on TV, they have their voices, but what if they do it to you? And that's the critical thing that we need to focus on for Americans. Yeah. And it just, you're, you're right. They keep on fighting. They keep on scrapping. Is there any, uh, precedent for dismembering such a large organization based on allegations like this? Any precedent that you're aware of? Never. Never. They don't use 6312 in this way. This is the first time that they're using Section 6312 against a private company to put their nose into something where they've done absolutely nothing wrong. Their statements of financial condition were undervalued. But if you try and say that Marilago is worth $18 million, Charlie, then it looks like they're overvalued. And that was all by design. I mean, it's a, it's a joke. Everybody so, yeah, in the media, left I, and right, I, so I have that. to ask, but how, how important is that valuation in the midst of this? Where do they... I, I know we make fun of it, but I was joking in the last hour. I said, if Mar-a-Lago's for sale for $18 million, I'm going to go call a couple donors because that would be the steal of the century. I mean, it's worth a billion and yeah. a half dollars. Give you me and break. me both. Right, Alina? We'll, 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 go part- exactly. we'll go partners yeah. on that and make a billion dollars. Uh, so That's right. That's right. The, the question I have, though, is, is that really what is the center of this piece that this judge valued Mar-a-Lago at 18? Please help me understand this. Yeah, a hundred percent. So the most was a couple hundred million in uh, liquidity that they needed. There is no question that the Trump organization and the Trump family is worth billions and billions of dollars, but they're bringing a lawsuit based on a vig of a couple hundred million. Imagine. So let's take Mar-a-Lago, 18 million. Okay. Let's say in a, in a crazy world, it sells for a billion. The only property that large, which goes from the ocean to the intercoastal which is massive and is truly historic. But let's just say it's just a billion. That covers that even in a worst case scenario, which it isn't. So that's really the number. Um, it's, it's preposterous. And when you put it that way, it really makes it clear how insane this all is. Yeah, I just, I, I, people might not be quite tracking what we're saying. So if you've ever been to the island of Palm Beach, it is now the most expensive real estate in the country. It's not even close. There are right. lots that are right. adjacent next to what is called the Bath and Tennis Club that has been purchased by other billionaires that are like one fraction the size of Mar-a-Lago that are going that goes for like hundreds of millions of dollars. Literally, like the whole transaction right. one after the other. Mar-a-Lago is five right. to six 
the like scale above, above it. The toilets, the bathrooms at Mar-a-Lago are eighteen million dollars. You can't get a shack on the <laughs> island of Palm Beach. You can't get a shack. You truly can't. On the uh, these things are going for twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars a square foot. Not an exaggeration, right? It right. is funny money. It, it, right. And yet here, here's what, here, so Alina, I'm, I'm asking this somewhat facetiously. Who who got defrauded here? Did the banks not get paid back? Were, Nobody. So so who's the victim? They exactly? got. There was never a default. There was never a default. Loans were always paid on time. And Deutsche Bank, sophisticated banks, sophisticated insurance agencies, were not only paid on time with interest and ahead of time. Sometimes they made money. It's a private contract between individuals, but she's putting her nose into it because she had to find something to get Trump on. That was the campaign promise. And look at the coordination, Charlie. Let's not forget that. DAs and AGs across the country are going to Washington and meeting with Biden. We see logs of these AGs and DAs meeting with the Biden administration. What planet are we on where it's coordinated by the political opponent for the Democratic Party? Merrick Garland, same thing. It all trickles down. And then they appoint special counsels. They're not special counsels. They're not independent counsel. There are 150 percent people that are coordinating with the Biden administration. And you can't deny that. It is, by the way, I know so many New York business people that are getting out of New York as quickly as possible. I mean, they say you could take my business from me based on that there are no right. victims. There are no victims, no victims whatsoever. And I mean, this idea that the Trump family doesn't have assets or wealth, just the name alone is a multi-billion dollar name. It, it, we, we know this That's to right. be true. The brand and, alone. Yes. Right. Imagine if you want to inflate your property and you have a Trump name, the name that got him to be president because he was such a well-known businessman. He was famous before this. So wouldn't you think that the Trump organization would put the brand on the statement of financial condition? Billions and billions of dollars. If you want to defraud companies, I assure you, Charlie, you're not going with Deutsche Bank. You're not going with sophisticated uh, lenders and insurance companies. And you most certainly are adding your brand when your last name's Trump. It's crazy. It it is it is quite something, to be perfectly honest with you, that the first yeah. time where someone's going to lose their business empire and there's no victims, they cannot show right. you a victim. Alina, great work. Thank you for no, taking time for us today. We'll be watching closely oh, of course. Anything for you, and uh, bracing for impact. Thanks so much. Yeah, literally. Thanks, Charlie. Hey, everybody, Charlie Kirk here. Mike Lindell and MyPillow employees want to thank my listeners for all your continued support. To thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use promo code Kirk and you get free shipping on your entire order. Get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0 and the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived and won't last long. Get six-pack towel sets for only $29.98 and take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers. The 100% made in USA on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the bath towels that actually absorb dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more. To get the best specials ever, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-875-0425. Use promo code Kirk and get free shipping on your entire order. So call 800-875-0425 or go to MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. That is MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. I think so highly of Mike Lindell. He's a great patriot. He's a terrific person. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. Do you know what a kulak is? Kulak was a Russian peasant. They said that was too wealthy, too prosperous. Someone who owned a relatively large farm, several head of cattle and horses. And they had their land taken away from them 
by the government. You're too rich. You're too prosperous. We're taking all of your land away from you. I'm going to try to personalize this Trump ruling for some of you and connect Kulak Soviet history because you might feel that it's in the distance. But imagine if all of a sudden what you own is just taken from you because they don't like your politics. In Russian, Kulak means fist or it means grasping. A Kulak was someone who was considered to be a dishonest or rural trader, but it just grew. Anyone who owns land, anyone who employs anybody. What's going on with Donald Trump and Letitia James is to set the precedent for a mass property confiscation campaign coming to America. They're going to use reparations. They're going to use a social credit score. Donald Trump is patient zero. Donald Trump is patient zero. The same way Alex Jones was patient zero for social media coordinated cancellation. Donald Trump is now patient zero for, yes, a former president and political persecution, but it's more than that. The New York case is actually deeper than the politics. That is what makes the New York case so dangerous. All the other stuff is so obviously political. The politics is the attack vector so that they can set the precedent so that they could take your car. They could take your farm. They could take your home. They could take your building. If they just say they label you as fraudulent or as the Bolsheviks would call you a kulak. They said they were doing the people of Russia a service. They claimed you had white privilege or you were racist or whatever slur they want to use on normal conservatives. They label you as a kulak and this justified destroying everything about you. Joining us now is Ben Burkwam, who is live from East Palestine, Ohio. Strangely, Joe Biden is going to be visiting, but there's a counter rally. Ben, tell us what's going on there. Hey, Charlie. Yeah, there's uh, we've got the whole street lined up down here. Market Street, just off of Main Street, East Palestine, small town, you know, small community. But they've come out. Joe Biden finally is showing up, finally showing his face in town. And the folks came out to let him know what they think of him and who they really support. It's President Trump. There's a sign. You can't see it right now. Uh, It's behind a couple of these people, but it just says too little, too late. And that's basically the message. To Joe Biden, he's coming in sometime between four and five is what we're expecting. And the folks out here just want to give him a not so warm welcome. Yeah. So, Ben, just remind our audience, this was a train derailment. There was environmental toxins. Just walk us through all of what remind our audience what happened here. And is Joe Biden going to drink the water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that would help him or hurt him. But uh, yes, just over a year ago, we were here at the year anniversary just a couple weekends ago uh, on February 3rd. And uh, we had one of the largest uh, train derailments and natural man-made disasters, not natural disasters, but disasters in America. Uh, we, they actually made the decision, Norfolk Southern, there's still question about who made that decision. The call to blow up those, uh, those tankers uh, created a massive mushroom cloud of black toxic uh, smoke and chemicals that ended up going all over this little tiny town and all throughout this area for hundreds of miles and uh, people are still dealing with the health implications of this. Some people still aren't in their homes. People have been trying to sell their homes. You basically can't sell your home here because who wants to, to move here now? You've got uh, health concerns for the kids. You've got long-term concerns for the kids in particular. And you've got an EPA that's basically done nothing. They've, they've told Nor- Norfolk Southern, which is the rail company that uh, caused the disaster, uh, that it's basically on them. They still have not declared. Joe Biden and uh, Mayor Pete still have not declared a national. And basically the message that the people of East Palestine want. They want the, this declared a national disaster. It should have already been declared that. 
And uh, again, the message is very simple. It's too little, too late. They see this simply as a political move by Joe Biden to finally show up and they're not buying it. So, so yeah, Ben, really quick, just why do you think Joe Biden is visiting? He's drawing attention to this. It's so late. Is this a way to try to just have some sort of presence in the Rust Belt? It's a it's a strange approach, especially a state he's assuredly going to lose as Ohio. Yeah, I can't even answer that for you, honestly. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he actually says. I don't know if it's a deflection from everything else that's going on. I don't know if he's been pressured by somebody. Uh, you know, they've been pressuring him from the beginning. You know, this he should have come out here the, the month after, the week after, the days after. But to wait an entire year, a year and two weeks, and then to just show up. I Honestly, I can't tell you what the purpose is. Um, and you, you, you know, America's got to be the judge. Doesn't make any sense to me, though. I think it's. I think Sherrod Brown asked him to come as a way to give some cover fire because he's in a very tough Senate re-election race right now in Ohio. I bet Chuck Schumer and Sherrod Brown called in a favor for some cover fire. There, it's the only explanation. Uh, Donald Trump's going to win Ohio by eight to ten points. This seems like a Sherrod Brown bailout package in Eastern Ohio. Thank you so much, Ben. Great work. Hey, thank you, sir. Well, stay tuned to Real America's Voice. We'll be covering it all day. It's the best. By the way, that should be your go-to. You got to have it. Watch it all the time. All these other networks, guys, we go deep here. You get real education, real news. For years, I've been talking about how our nation's public schools have been captured by progressive ideologues, especially true if you're a Christian family. For those of you uh, worried about the best educational path for your kids and grandkids, I want to tell you about how Turning Point Academy is working with the Herzog Foundation and how you at home can also benefit from it. They have an online publication called The Lion and also Making the Leap. The Herzog Foundation offers a wide range of advice and information for Christian parents to make the best education decisions for your kids. Go to HerzogFoundation.com. That is HerzogFoundation.com. So check it out right now, HerzogFoundation.com. Portions of The Charlie Kirk Show are brought to in part by the Stanley M. Herzog Foundation. That is HerzogFoundation.com. Joining us now is Congressman Dan Bishop, who is running for North Carolina Attorney General. Congressman Welcome to the program. Share with us the news. Thank you, Charlie. Good to be with you. Uh, we had a busy week in Congress. We just finished a markup in the Judiciary Committee yesterday in which we marked up a very important bill that I hope will stick in your mind and that of your viewers, Charlie. It is a, a bill. Last year, last summer, the United States Supreme Court said that state attorneys general could not sue when the Department of Homeland Security, when Secretary Mayorkas adopted rules about detaining or releasing migrants that flatly contradict the law, contradict the Immigration Nationality Act that's passed passed by Congress. And the Supreme Court said, well, administration has some uh, prosecutorial discretion left, so we can't get in the business of refereeing that. The only thing Congress can do to make sure the law is followed is to do something like impeach Secretary Mayorkas. Well, we've done that. Uh, But what we ought to do is do what the Supreme Court invited, and that is for Congress to change the law so that secretaries of state all over the country can seek the court's help in enforcing the law when the Secretary of Homeland Security decides to violate it. Any border deal that may end up at any point in time, and there's a new one suggested by the rhinos and uh, and some Democrats to make sure they get Ukraine funding through, they've got some fig leaf of a deal that they're proposing. But this, the, the question that's gonna have to be asked in any border deal that might t- come down the pike or any border uh, uh, legislation is how do we know the Biden administration will actually follow the deal? What is the enforcement mechanism? This bill that we just marked up in the Judiciary Committee would be one way. 
And although Democrats oppose it vociferously, uh, if we end up, that, that's the kind of thing, Charlie, that will be the solid, the, 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 uh, the, the test, whether or not we have a real deal, if, if provisions like that are included. So th- there's a lot happening here. First, I just want to uh, make sure to put my mind at ease. You're not going to resign in midst of this term, right? You'll see out your term because we can't afford any more of this kind of mid-session resignation stuff. Not a chance, okay, Charlie. Good. I'm going to be in a fighting tooth and nail the whole way through. And okay. everybody, even those who say, are you leaving to because to, you've given up? No, I'm I'm maneuvering for a better grip, but I won't do that until I win in November and take office next January in North Carolina. Okay, well, very good. And I, I know that I think your race is going very, very well. I, I want to just kind of go through some of these legislative primaries here. There's four major things that are in front of us. And we talked about this um, very clearly uh, we have the CR, we have Ukraine, we have the border, and then we have 702. Some of them have some in common, some are completely different. Let's start right. with the CR. This is one of the reasons why I was so upset back in the fall, not with you, Congressman, but just with leadership and just the establishment, because we're, we're heading towards a shutdown. We should have just really embraced that back in the fall. Is the government going to shut down? Are we going to get spending cuts? It doesn't. I don't really feel the sense of urgency we got senators out in Munich. This doesn't feel like the – I think we're going to see another CR. Charlie, I think that's right. It could be worse than that. The speaker may collapse at the end and embrace the old omnibus appropriations bill routine that we've seen over and over again. That the Actually, at this point, and you understand we're a far cry from what we set out to do when we contested the speaker's election a year ago, year, year, and, a, year and a month ago. Uh, where we had a plan for fiscal restraint with specific targets. Kevin McCarthy blew that, frankly, in June of last year. We've never quite recovered it. Speaker Johnson's doing his best to kind of get his feet under him. But at this point in time, a continuing resolution that just kept things where they are for for uh, until the, through the next into the next fiscal year might be the best outcome. The worst thing we can do is see it go below all those caps that were agreed to in the so-called Fiscal Responsibility Act last June, which were too high as they were, and go even further. That's what, and then add supplementals on top of that. So we're wrestling over that. I think it, it's a it's a question that goes to the heart of the leadership of, New, of Speaker Johnson uh, that he gets something figured out. We had a conference this week, uh, and I, I wish I could say there's an absolute clear plan on the table. There are lots of people in Washington, lots of Republicans in the Uniparty, they want to keep spending and and uh, and show no restraint at all. Yeah, and that it's a narrow majority, and it's only getting narrower, unfortunately, because that's just that's the way things are working right now. So, w- one of the elements here that I want to talk about: the Senate is considering this bill. I don't know if you're aware of it, the Kid Kids Online Safety Act (KOSA), and it involves potential attorneys general. That's why I wanted to bring it up to you. Um, and so essentially it's a bill that looks to protect underage children from groomers, pornographers, and other predators online. This should pass unanimously, not a problem. But it gets very interesting. The bill ran into trouble because LGBT groups, and we have evidence of this, we have a letter to show this, were worried it would make it too easy for red state AGs to target predators who try and groom children into mutilating themselves or destroying themselves with hormones. So now, uh, they're retooling the bill to give all the power to the FTC. I know you're probably learning about this just right now, but I think it's important. The red state AGs, I think we need a whole new class, a whole new attitude of AGs that love the law, 
that want justice, but also are going to stand up against the special interests that have done such damage to this country. That's exactly right, Charlie. Even the first thing that I mentioned off the top, at the top of the hit about what we marked up in the Judiciary Committee was about empowering state attorneys general to keep the government honest. And yes, what you've, what you've just described, uh, and you do see this, the attorney general role, state attorneys general have emerged over the past 20 years to be defending some of our most important fundamental rights against overreaches by lunatics uh, across all sorts of institutions, but certainly uh, overreaching federal agencies. And uh, so, yes, uh, any I'm, I'm not surprised because the left sees this. That's one reason they spend disproportionately to try to keep and get as many attorney general's offices as they can. And uh, and it's the reason that uh, Republicans like that's the reason I'm leaving Congress. I believe it's an extraordinary important role to get. And and believe me, Charlie, if you know anything about me and you've watched me in Congress, folks know they can count on me to be as aggressive as possible in defending people's rights and re- restoring respect for and reverence for the law. Yes, that's what we'll do. So I want to ask just about North Carolina here. Uh, your race is very important. Uh, I think your primary is going very well. You can you can update that on. Is it is your prime? I'm, I'm imagining. I actually yeah. even even better than that, Charlie. I have no primary. Okay, well, I am the great. Republican nominee without a primary, so that's a good piece of news. There's a complicated primary on the other side. Yeah, the the, the, the good. Let let them fight. But North Carolina is an interesting state. I, I want to just reflect on this for a second. It, it has. Voted for Trump the last couple times, has two uh, Republican senators, has a Democrat governor, and has this research triangle that feels more like Silicon Valley than the Deep South. And there's a lot of -of out-of-staters going to North Carolina. My first question would be, what evidence do we have of how North Carolina has changed, if at all, since 2020? I think the uh, two pieces of uh, evidence that you need to consider beyond those you've mentioned is that we've held the uh, Republicans have held the General Assembly, the legislature for 13 years, usually and currently by super majorities in both houses. And here's the key, Charlie, uh, 13 straight appellate court judgeships elections uh, won by Republicans statewide. This state is in the position that Florida was in. Uh, some years ago before Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis transformed it into a Republican stronghold. That opportunity is available here. The mix that you see, that you mentioned the the leading executive offices, the attorney general's office, which we've not won since 1896, and the governor's office, which we've only won three times over the last 30, 40 years. But there have been some preeminent Democrats there, but this is a changing state, marvelous growth in exurban counties like Brunswick and uh, and uh, Onslow, for example, this is a state that is begging to become a solid red Republican state. And I think this year is going to be pivotal. Mark Robinson, I think, will be the Republican nominee for governor. And I think he's an important historic figure. He's going to win. And I'm confident I'm going to win the attorney general's office. Yeah, North Carolina is a really interesting state because the, the rules are very conservative. The suburbs are center right and are Republican. But you got some real radical pockets in your state. I mean, you got some real. I mean, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn when I when you're I, not when I, it, it, Duke in North Carolina. I mean, that is as liberal as it gets. The the one of the Democrats in this race is the is the DA from Durham County, where Duke University is, and Durham's as liberal as they get. 
And she's a bona fide Soros type prosecutor. So yes, indeed, that is true. And it's also true for when I gave the example of Florida, it's true there too. Those pockets exist, we're hammering it out. And I don't suggest that it's a cakewalk, but one of the things, Charlie, I think that when you have this so-called purple state phenomenon, bold leadership and results change things. Both way, both ways, frankly, when I mean this this there's never been a more opportune moment for a law and order campaign in North Carolina. That theme is gonna hit home with those suburban soccer moms that people always ask about. They're worried for their family's safety, for their own personal safety, and they're worried about institutional corruption this destroying the civic order in so many ways. And they're going to be ready for a message that says we're going to restore that. And the way you do it is respect for the law, not an idea where you get an attorney general. He gives his ideological position on uh, any number of issues like photo ID and just goes and fights the law constantly. That's a corruption of our constitutional system. And people are ready to see some order restored, some normalcy. You're doing a great job. We're behind you 100 percent. Did I hear you right? Finally, 1896, the last time there was a Republican attorney general. That's right. Almost amazing and surprising, but this is the year, Charlie. Okay. I, I, I believe you. It's just, that is shocking. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Congressman. I want to, I want to talk about this Alexei Navalny story. Joe Biden has come out and he said, are you more confident now that you'll get the Ukraine aid given what happened today? He said, uh, I hope to God it helps. Okay. Well, that's, that's a strange answer. I wouldn't try to use the death of somebody for that. But look, I, the, the, the the circumstances around his death are awfully, not just suspicious. I mean, he was murdered. I mean, yeah, he was going for a walk and he had a blood clot. Like, OK, let's let's calm down here. Let's first watch Joe Biden. Let's play cut 162. Are you more confident now that you'll get the Ukraine aid given what's happened today? Well, I hope to God it helps. But I mean... The idea we need anything more to get the Ukraine aid. I mean, I mean, this is in light of a former president's statement that saying Russia, if, if they haven't paid their dues to us, go get them. Come on. What are these guys doing? What are they doing? This whole thing is very, very, very confusing to me in the sense, OK, obviously he was murdered. So the conventional wisdom, which is probably true, is that Putin killed him because that's what happens in Russia, just dissidents get poisoned and they get put into exile. By the way, Navalny was up in like the Arctic and some sort of tundra. And again, Putin himself probably didn't pull the trigger, but he had some, you know, thug do it. But it is something I do want an answer to this. Why would Putin do this? Why would he kill him today? How is that in Putin's best interest? Maybe it's just like, I want this guy off the chessboard. He's a, he's an awful person. I, I, that's the only part I'm failing to quite grasp. I don't understand his worldview. I don't understand his approach. Don't understand his way of thinking. So it seems to only embolden and empower the pro-Ukraine forces right now during the Munich Security Conference. So just understand all the different connective dots here. This is during the Munich Security Conference while there's a Ukraine bill about to be voted on in the House and in Congress. Putin has been taking out a lot of enemies lately. Prigozhin was just killed a few months ago. Oh, yeah, plane failure. It is not a plane failure, okay? Putin killed him. So let's just, let's just get our facts straight here. And look, I said this on Telegram, and I'm going to just repeat this, and I want to make sure you, you have to be morally clear on this stuff. You guys know I'm no cheerleader for Ukraine. 
But this, and by, some people are saying, oh, Navalani is a CIA asset. Here's what I said. Enough. Okay, that's, that's a stupid argument. He's probably, it might be right, but it's stupid. Without the, stu- without the pandering that so many people are doing, I think it's important to recognize Navalani is a true courageous person. I don't care if he was a CIA asset or whatever. Not relevant. A country shouldn't imprison and kill dissidents, period. It's wrong when Garland and Biden do it. It's wrong when Putin does it. Navalani kept pushing towards what he felt was right, despite knowing it could result in his death. Whatever flaws he might have, I think that is admirable and worthy of praise. I think that's 100% consistent. It's just, it is very, I will say this, it's monumental timing. I'm not going to say curious timing, because I think it, it... Every piece of evidence we have, both prior and current, is that probably this was a Putin operation. Why he did this, awfully perplexing. Not sure. I always ask the question, koi bono, who benefits? By who benefits doing this, right? Who benefits by killing Navalani? Maybe Putin just wants to send a final message that FAFO, man, he's just... and. Maybe some of the previous poisoning attempts could have weakened his constitution and he was weakened and it's random. Maybe. But I mean, I just I, I come on, don't I don't want to go too far down that road. But here's the facts. The facts of the matter is this. I, I admire Navalani. The guy knew that he was probably going to get killed. He kept on fighting, He had a family, kept on pushing. I think I think that's admirable, even even if you disagree with him. I mean, I am largely sympathetic to the idea of creating a free society, but. I, I don't know Russian politics, and I'm not going to you know, overly weigh in on that. Here's breaking from Russia. If it's true, uh, who is this? Oh, this is Navalny's wife at the Munich Security Conference. So that's interesting. She's at the Munich Security Conference. That seems strange. What is she doing at the Munich Security Conference? She's in the Munich Security Conference the day that her husband dies in an Arctic prison? That's, that's weird. Maybe because she was just a spokesperson, and she's just kind of a you know, like common guest, I guess. What does she say? If it's true, I want Putin, his entourage, Putin friends, and his government to know they'll be held responsible for what they've done to my country, my family, and my husband. Okay. But I think you've got to be morally clear. You've got to admire a guy who fights for what he believes in all the way to the death. And that was Alexei Navalny. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Email us, as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Thanks so much for listening, and God bless. For more on many of these stories and news you can trust, go to charliekirk.com.